Hello everyone, and welcome to Golden Walkman Magazine. My name is David Walker, one of the editors, bringing you the issue for October 2017, which I'm going to say prose. Prose is what we're bringing you. Let's not worry about the genre, because I think maybe sometimes that's a little too constricting. But either way, prose, two great prose pieces here. We're all inspired by true life events if we're writing fiction. We're all... Uh, bringing in a little bit of fiction to our nonfiction, so uh, it's who's to say what's really real or not? I, I know I'm getting really philosophical here with genres, but anyway, let's let's get right into it. Um, the first piece that we're going to hear is Julie Winglinski's "Another Colonoscopy Begins with a Political Debate," and I like this piece a lot because it feels like a deadpan joke that just kind of keeps unfolding and, and, and unraveling and eventually it kind of gets to this nugget of truth that this political climate that we're in we can't really escape no matter where we are and uh, I, I really enjoyed the the recitation that the that the author brought to it and, and the inflection and, and those sorts of things so uh, it kind of exactly fits what was in my head when I was reading it myself. So I hope you enjoy this. Julie Winglinski's Another Colonoscopy Begins with a Political Argument. This is Julie Winglinski reading Another Colonoscopy Begins with a Political Argument. After they wheeled me to the car and I was belted inside, I told my husband, There were two nurses, a man and a woman. I told the nurses I had a bad reaction to the anesthesia last time that was injected into the back of my hand, and the pain was so bad that I screamed, and I thought at the time that my arm would wither, turn black, and fall off. And the woman nurse said, Oh, you need a big juicy vein and some lidocaine. I said, I know that now. I read about it. The nurse said, Oh, you read about it. I said, I also read prisoners are protesting this drug because randomized controlled trials show there is a 60% incidence of pain. The male nurse said, Well, they don't want to die, do they? But what about the victims? Who speaks for them? Prisoners will protest anything, and now they want air conditioning. Give me a break. I said, and I only meant to joke. Well, I see I'm in the midst of a law and order crowd here. And suddenly I could see from my flattened position that they were gone, and a new girl was there. She said her name was Kathy, and she was also a nurse. I said, what happened to the other guys? The next story is Uptown Girl, and we were drawn to this particular story because at the sentence level, the writing felt very polished, and the the plot itself made me, in particular, feel uncomfortable in that way where you know the, the writer is trying to make you feel that way, is trying to make you feel claustrophobic in some way, trying to put you into the space of... The main character, although I, I will admit it's impossible for me to to be in the shoes of this 
this main character, but I, I felt as close as I possibly could feel in that way. And the the character to me never felt like a victim, which is which is something I really enjoyed. I liked being in the head of the speaker, uh, the the main character the entire time, and it's just a it's just a well written story. So I hope you enjoy this Uptown Girl. Here it is. Uptown Girl by Ram Wright. In a few long strides, the elegant woman clicked her black heels across an expanse of opulent granite to park herself and her wheeled luggage at the lobby registration. She rested a handbag on the polished mahogany, poised to take out a wallet, and smiled at the man behind the desk. You have a reservation for me? Gina Mann. That's Gina with a J and man with two N's. At 40, Gina looked 30 and radiated uptown chic. She dressed in Alfani suits, silk shirts, and classic pearls. A colorful scarf to lend flair and draw attention, but with sophistication to blend in upscale surroundings. Even so, this uptown Gina diligently nurtured a downtown edge. It alerted her to danger, so she channeled stress responses into positive energy, and over time it became her secret weapon in a mostly male professional environment. As desired, Gina's brisk yet warm demeanor elicited prompt, courteous service. The clerk logged her name into a computer, then looked up at her. Yes, Miss Mann, welcome back. I see that we have upgraded you to the executive suite on the top floor. Thank you for your loyalty to the Mayfair. He handed her a key card and then added, If you need anything, please allow us to assist. We wish you a pleasant stay in London. Thank you, Ian, Gina said, noting the lapel badge. Yes, perhaps the concierge can check on theatre tickets for me. Tonight is best, but tomorrow works as well. Comedy or drama is fine. No musicals, please. Gina walked to the elevator and allowed herself a long sigh. Finally, what a day. She was glad it was over. She was in London for her company's global planning summit, representing U.S. interests. It was a routine meeting, but it turned out to be anything but routine. No doubt about it, today had been a disaster. First, her request for an increased budget was tabled, but that was not the worst part. Despite a flawless presentation, insubstantial objections from the new director, Asian Bureau, grained support as the day advanced. And then, solidifying his advantage, he singled her out, the only woman executive, by insinuating her looks had secured her a seat in the boardroom. Gina's no-nonsense approachable leadership drew respect and loyalty from peers as well as superiors. Besides impeccable qualifications, Gina had a reputation for compassion when working with individuals of diverse circumstances, her distinguishing attribute, and she was known for maintaining calm under pressure. When asked about her secret weapon, Gina would laugh and say, Oh, I trust everyone till they give me a reason not to. 
and they really let me down. While not unusual earlier in her career, it had been a couple of years since Gina last faced a boardroom bully. A rejoinder would sound defensive, so she stayed silent. However, his barbs could not be ignored. Gina had worked hard to succeed in a man's world, and if left unrefuted, his insult would become water cooler gossip. It is not truth but perception that lingers in people's minds. What could she do? He had said nothing specific. In retrospect, she realized she had missed cues about shifting power dynamics in the board. Maybe she was tired after the bumpy flight from California? No, she was accustomed to that. There was another reason. Am I losing my edge? Since the concierge had delivered no interesting list of plays, Gina stayed in. She ordered room service, turned on the TV, and leafed through the in-house magazine. Still, she could not relax. Her mind kept rehashing the events of the day while providing no insights. It was midnight now. Unable to sleep, Gina padded to the window and looked outside. The area was devoid of walkers. Only a few cars or an occasional bus rumbled along the main road. Several floors below, the Mayfair front entrance lit the area. A smartly dressed doorman stood with authority, a security barrier for loiterers, but in place to welcome legitimate hotel guests. The scene before her was typical upscale London Mayfair neighborhood, solitary and peaceful with no foreboding of danger. I need to go for a walk. Sure, it was midnight. However, the area was as safe as it gets. This is London, not New York, not Chicago. Excited by the challenge, Gina's mind switched course. In contrast to the earlier exhaustion that has enveloped her, a new energy flowed in. Without hesitation, Gina went to the closet and rummaged under her work clothes in her suitcase. She did not find her frayed jeans and the faded black t-shirt she used to pack for just such excursions. It had been several years since she did this. Undeterred, she decided travel pants will do. She made the final critical preparations, then shrugged on her leather jacket, slipped into walking shoes and draped a black and white checkered muffler, hoping it created a casual look. Effortlessly, she had fallen into an old routine. As she walked past the night manager, Gina waved, making sure he saw her. Good night, Miss Man. If he noticed a change, his training forbade comment. Gina stepped out onto the sidewalk that ran along the boulevard, looked around, then turned left and started walking. May I call a cab for you? asked the doorman. No thanks. I want to walk. Gradually, a meditative calm replaced the nervous energy that trickled away from clenched fists hidden in jacket pockets. The amber glow of streetlights cut through the fog and she picked up her pace. Each step gave greater assurance. She ventured off the main road into a back alley with occasional lampposts and unlit doorways. Her eyes adjusted to the dark. She sidestepped an upturned trash can 
and passed by a drunk without breaking stride. A familiar rhythm returned as she noted details and markers, identified doorways and counted intersections. Even as a girl, she had an aptitude for numbers and visual perspicuity. With practice, she had developed her distinct safety stratagem, an accurate map of the maze in her mind. So if stalked or otherwise endangered, she could double back or duck into a doorway. Even when she knew an area, she retraced her steps rather than trying a new route. A memory game, the walk helped her hone her observation skills, which in turn built confidence in negotiating unfamiliar terrain with a cool head. After 20 minutes, it was time to return to the hotel. Pleasantly tired, she counted off the intersections, noted the markers and was satisfied to find she had remembered. Almost there. She turned the corner from the side street onto the main walkway. Maybe it was the sharp turn needed to exit the back alley. Maybe it was the fog. Maybe she relaxed now that she was almost at the Mayfair, but she took the turn hurriedly and bumped into a man leaning against the building wall. Excuse me, she said as she sidestepped, trying to regain her balance. What's your hurry, love? He stood blocking her path. He accented a threatening stance with a salacious smirk. She saw a muscular man of medium height and build, dressed in a tweed jacket. His brown slacks had seen better days. Push comes to shove, he was stronger and a confrontation best avoided. She looked past his shoulder. The Mayfair entrance was too distant for the doorman to see her or help if she screamed. She was on her own. Excuse me, Gina repeated, keeping hands fisted to control their shaking. Hey, can you spare some cash? I need train fare to go home. To Scotland. He sized her body and leered. You know how it is. Spent my money at the pub and now you come along as my guardian angel. He stood square, arms akimbo, blocking escape. Gina unzipped the outer pocket of her small purse. Here, take it. This is all I have, she said, giving him a five-pound note and flipping her purse upside down to show it was empty. This was part of the plan. She carried money where it was easy to access. It's not enough, he leaned over, swiftly seized the purse, opened the inside zipper, and with a flourish, held out a ten-pound note. I knew it, a tough like you. This too was unplanned. He would expect her to hide something. Hey, that's my emergency cash. You can't take that. Some resistance was in order. He was close now. His crooked teeth were stained a dreadful tobacco brown, and she smelled alcohol on his breath. Gina backed up two steps, unfastened the purse from her waist, and held it at arm's length. Here, see for yourself, she said. Give us a kiss then. Usually, after she gave an empty purse, she would be left alone. Then she realized that backing up signaled fear. Now, he felt power over her. He pushed her body against the wall and his arms pinned her to the cold stone. It became impossible for her to move. No kiss, she said, putting both palms 
fingers played on his chest. She heaved to no avail. He moved one arm down her back and began groping around her hips. Senses on alert, she realized what he was doing and almost smiled with relief. Out of habit, she had packed away her credit cards, driver's license, passport and extra currency before setting out for the walk. Good going, girl. She let him grope. He would find nothing in her hip pockets and she wore no money belt under her shirt. She never used a money belt, believing it to be trouble because of the need to disrobe to access it. Plus, it screamed tourist and showed a lack of trust in the local populace, or worse, victim, which often exploded into adversarial action from an aggressor. Undecided on his next move, the man dropped his arms, giving Gina the opportunity she needed. Swiftly, she coiled her muscles to brace against the wall, then pushed hard. He stepped back to regain balance, giving her room to get away from him onto the middle of the sidewalks. I don't want to give you a kiss, hug you, or give you any more money. I have been good to you. Now it's your turn. You have enough for bus fare. Go home now. She willed herself to stay put and stared him down. Perhaps it was her confident voice, or the shift in power when she was the one telling him what to do, or he interpreted her words for concern. Someone who wants to get a drunk safely home. But suddenly he turned around and shuffled away. Gina felt a gust of wind as a bus stopped near her and the door whirred open. She asked the driver without stepping in. What is the bus fare to the last stop? Two pounds. Well, maybe he was not lying about needing money. A pitiful drunk. Just then, the man shouted, I want some love, bitch. Then he continued walking. After the man disappeared, Gina walked into the Mayfair lobby. Good to see you back. Good night, Gina said. She keyed into her room, changed into pajamas, got into bed and called her husband in California. All well? he asked. All well, she said. How did it go? he asked. Not great so far. I didn't feel some curved balls from a new director on the board and was caught off guard. It prompted me to take precautionary action, you know, renew my edge. The conflict will get resolved now. There are two days of meetings still to go. I'm bound to get an opportunity, and when it arises, I will be ready. He will find out that playing victim is not my style. She did not mention the walk. She never did. Why worry him? I'm inspired by how ordinary people tackle extraordinary situations, how we toughen up when we must. Gina is a risk taker and prefers action over indecision and that has shaped her narrative. Also, I like second chance stories and Gina gets a second chance because she makes it happen. Her story explores actions we do by instinct that the logical brain cannot explain. So I hope you enjoyed this issue of Golden Walkman magazine. I first wanted to apologize to Julie Winglinski, the author of the first piece that we had today. 
that uh, title I miss, misspoke of. I should have said it was another colonoscopy begins with a political argument. But the first time around, I said political debate. I fixed it the second time around, and, and you know, she obviously knows the title of her piece, so she said it correctly. But I just wanted to, to say that I try my best to get the titles, uh, pronounce the names correctly, all that stuff. I try my best with that. Sometimes it slips through the cracks. But anyway, I just wanted to correct that error there. And um, yeah, read about the contributors and, and find out how to become a contributor yourself by going to our website, goldwalkmag.com. We are updating our back issues, so the ones that are no longer on the feed, we're, we're getting them back up there uh, just so that you can play the stuff directly. And it's been a, it's been a journey. It's been a journey going, going back through there and, and updating the website in that way because I get to hear the stuff that we published in our, like, our first two years here. And it reminds me of that stuff that, that why I fell in love with doing this in the first place and it's just cool. So if you have a chance, go back there. It's it's all updating uh, and, and we'll get there eventually so that we'll have everything up there. But you know, it, it is what it is right now. So anyway, but we have tapes from the outside. These are submissions that are in response to current events. Read all about that on our website. There's a section for that specifically. And we have our first one coming out in Halloween. They usually are going to come out the 15th and 20th in between the appendix and the regular issues. But but this one fits really well with Halloween, so we're going to do it there. And um, we also updated our website to have the finalists and the winner of our of our audio chapbook contest listed up there. And you get to hear the judges' comments on them, and it's a bunch of stuff. So anyway, if you want to become involved, just go to our website and find out how social media stuff, you, you get the gist of it. So, so anyway, that's it for us. I, I, I hope you enjoyed this issue and I hope you come back next month and, and uh, you know, hope to hear from you soon.